You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, One Bills Live is the show. And we all know that uh, one Steve Tasker is a foodie, much like I am. His wife's out of town. This guy is on a junk food binge totally like nobody I mean, can possibly imagine. I ate trash for supper last night. But I did polish it off with a pint of ice cream. Which, well done. Which and was then the healthy... followed it up with lunch today with yeah. a hot dog. Yeah. Hot dog, fry, and the whole thing. I Man, oh, man. It, I, I almost ordered a milkshake for lunch today, and I instead went oh, healthy. well. So I got water. Way to be a modicum of got decorum. A bottle, I got a bottle of water, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. That's like getting a triple cheeseburger with a diet I'm soda. I'm asking for chest pain. <laughs> I, I was i thought about it this morning when i got up and i was and i didn't you know i actually slept good last night and i, and I thought you were I probably like, in a food coma i thought about it and i was like oh my gosh i ate garbage yeah for so, just total ju- i'm even gonna tell you what it was i will not ever tell you what it was okay it was garbage okay that was you know but it's like like junk food supposed to be fried Tate, cheese and nachos or it, it that would have been a step up but Wow. Yeah, it was mostly preservatives and, you know, all that stuff. I'm sure so. everything that you had had MSG in it. Um, and, yeah. So, anyway, I'm feeling pretty good today, actually, yeah. in spite of that. And I, I'm going to try and clean it up from now on. Okay. Good for you. But the, I, I, I'm, I'm still going to eat ice cream, though. Well, I get it. Just everything in, <laughs> everything in moderation, Steve. I was... Everything was, in moderation. Don't be a glutton. Stuff in your life, not all the time, but once in a while, they're like, man, I look in the mirror and you say, you just disgust me. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was this morning. Okay. You disgust me. Okay. Fair so enough. There you go. Fair enough. All right. Try to get on the clean train here for a little while. <laughs> be good to your colon, okay? Yeah. Uh, we, we have uh, a bunch of stuff to get into today as uh, we are still sifting through the remnants of the 2022 season for the Bills, which, as we all know, ended in the AFC Divisional Playoff round with a loss to the Bengals, where the Bills just simply did not look like the team we had watched all season long. And the more you sift through the commentary from the players yesterday on Locker Cleanout Day 
and maybe to a lesser extent from head coach Sean McDermott, who addressed the media late yesterday afternoon, and we'll have some of his more notable comments for you here on the show shortly. It's hard not to come away with, and again, not using this as an excuse, I think it's just a fact, and Steve and I talked about this even before we came on the air today. If you look at the last three games, the two leading up to Cincinnati in particular, there were elements of Buffalo's game that were uncharacteristic. Um, And I don't want to call them chinks in the armor. I don't think that's a proper description. But maybe warning signs would be the right phrase to use. And what really made it hit home for me was when Tredavious White gave a post-game press conference interview in the post-game media room. And I think he was sitting alongside Dean Marlowe. And, and he basically characterized the week following the DeMar Hamlin cardiac event as an expletive show. Um, this operation, this daily operation here at One Bills Drive, is one that is revered around the league in terms of how things are run here in Orchard Park on a daily basis. You just heard Jamison Crowder say it yesterday in his locker clean-out interview. He basically said, I would like to be back. Somebody asked him why, and he said, because this is the best-run operation I've ever been around. Now, he did play his previous career in Washington and with the Jets, so I'm not going to throw stones, but they're probably in the lower third of the league in terms of how they run things with distractions and other problems, bigger media, whatever. But Jamison Crowder just reiterated what attracts people here is not only some of the premier talent on this roster, like a Josh Allen or a Von Miller, but the way in which business is conducted here every single day. It's a professional operation that expects people to act like professionals, take care of their business, love up on each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The point I'm trying to make is despite the strength and continuity of that daily operation, the DeMar Hamlin situation threw the whole thing for a loop and the players did the best that they could to navigate their way through that emotionally while still trying to become emotionally invested enough to play and put their bodies on the line for a football game. And I think it became very hard for them to balance the two down the stretch here. They were able to beat the Patriots, as you pointed out yesterday, thanks in large part to two kick returns for touchdowns by Naheem Hines. And then, um, against well, other, than, other than those two returns, they got outscored 23-21. Again, yeah, against Patriots. Um, but yeah, and then the following week against Miami, they're Skyler in a dogfight with a third-string quarterback. Skylar Thompson. So th- those kind of gave me pause. Um, but I thought they'd be motivated for this Bengals game, and I just don't think – emotionally they just I'm not and again I'm not making excuses I'm just saying this is the way I read it watching the way that they played they just did not emotionally have anything left to give as a collective group because I'm telling you if you ask anybody that watched any other game that the Bills played this season in the regular season primarily you would say 
I don't even recognize this team playing the Bengals today. I mean, it was yeah, it was different. It I, was different. We we've been talking about this a lot about you know trying to get our minds around you know the the performance they put together and and looking back over it and hearing what the the words that the guys said yesterday to the media. We didn't really it, we're not it's not our place to talk about this like during the season or even even now I'm I'm a little hesitant to to you know put our opinion on it because it is a little bit conjecture, but um, yeah I I and and plus I feel bad you know. Nobody wants to say, you know, it's DeMar's fault. Um, no, no. Because of, of what happened. Um, because there's a million things going on. But I, I know this. This was a different – this has been a different – bill. still is. Um, you look in the eyes of those guys that were on that field on that Monday night when De, DeMar went down. Um, I don't know that there's not a handful of guys on this roster that may never be the same because of it, may never get over it, of yeah. what, they, what they witnessed. Um, and then certainly as a team – the entire roster was affected by the sight of their friend um, and and the urgency of what happened to him and how, how that all went down. Fighting they, for they his were, life. They were scarred. And I think, I think even Bills fans were at this point. Remember on Monday night where you're thinking, hey, who cares? Just, just give them the loss. I don't care. Just hope oh, DeMar's all right. Yeah. And there was stuff like that going out even the, even the day after or the two days after, before we started getting positive reports from Cincinnati that DeMar was, was doing better, uh, it was a whole different, like, I don't even care about football. Um, I just, it, it was awful to witness that. And nobody even really thought about the impl- implications or cared about what the league was going to do with the canceled game and how they were going to handle it. All of that was going on. And I think there was a po- point in the narrative just after that where Bills players and coaches, where they realize, man, they don't care. Who I don't care about the Cincinnati game. You know, I don't really care. How's Demar doing? Yeah, and rightfully so. Absolute. The whole country was there. But then, you know, on that Wednesday when they were gonna like they got another the game's coming up on Sunday. They didn't even pra- They can't even practice. They walk through. And they're just not in a state to go out and play, like even practice football. So they let that go. And then the, the reports start coming out and say, okay, we'll try and practice Thursday. They start that up. Things are a little bit better. And I guess, you know, to, to, to boil this all down in retrospect, and it's easy to do it from here, I don't know. I, I, think, I think they've still got work to do from that incident on Monday night that goes far beyond fixing the O-line, getting another number two wide receiver. Getting, I think they've got guys that are still really – There's really, emotional healing that has to yeah, happen and is I, what you're saying. And I'll say this too, and I've, I've told you this a ton, Brian. We have these conversations all the time. Yeah. When you're going to play pro football, and, and any professional sport, but pro football in particular, you're going you're gonna to get into a physical confrontation. It's a Several fight. times over. 150 times during the game. You're yeah. going to be pushing somebody against their will, or you're going to get pushed against your will. Um, you're going to get slapped. You're going to have to slap somebody. You're going to you're gonna, smack, knock you're gonna down. Knock their hands off. You're going to push them. You're going to, you're going to, you're, your temper's going to raise. It, it, it is in, it, 100% inevitable. And to do a, be a part of that game, you have to prepare yourself to do it. You've all seen old films of these guys working themselves into a rage pregame and all. There's a little bit of that all the time. Um, 
you got to get yourself into a mental state to have a physical confrontation. And for a lot of these guys, I think over the last – since that Monday night, I think they've really struggled to find the importance in a game that they saw was really unimportant in those moments after DeMar went down. They had a hard time getting it back. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. A lot of them did maybe. But I know there's a handful of guys that are going to be thinking about this for the rest of their lives, and they may never be the same. And, and I don't, there's nothing wrong with it. It's the way life is. The things you experience affect you, and they should. That's how you learn. Uh, but I think it manifested itself in a variety of ways over the last three games of the season against the Patriots in Week 18, in the, against the Dolphins in the wild card round, and certainly we saw more, a, a more I think, a more telling characteristic of it against the Bengals. Yeah. They got against a good team after a three weeks of just grinding and it just they had nothing there. There was no emotion there. They yeah. were it looked to me like the entire team went through the motions. Certainly there was some nice stuff going on. And you got, you know, you know, guys running around and they were going through they were playing hard. But man oh man, that was it looked like a paint job to me. You well, know what I mean? And, I mean, they were just trying to put on a good front. And you need to bring even more come the postseason, yeah. as, as you well know. And it's I, I like, wow, say, it's like I, I've been laying yeah. it out there as best I can the last two weeks after this thing right. to try to win some football games. Now I got to now I gotta really put it out there now that I'm in a 14 nothing hole. It's like, oh, Because yeah, a couple of players referenced that, too. Yeah. The fact that they went down early – Knowing now the mountain's even bigger to climb, I just think it was too much. And yeah. you know, people might turn, you know, dismiss that out of hand and say, "Come on, it's football. You got to play. You know what you signed up for." I think they all know what they signed up for, and you got model professionals in that locker room. But as Steve pointed out, some of those guys are changed. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I remember in the 2007 season when Kevin Everett goes down in the season opener. That team wasn't right the rest of the year. And nobody on the roster would admit it until locker clean-out day, the end of the 2007 season. I'm sitting in there talking to people like Chris Kelsey and others, and they're telling me, yeah, that, that messed with our head for a while. And, and we didn't get our heads back on straight till the second half of the season. Yeah. So that's, that's seven games later right? when they're telling me they, they started feeling – like they could just play football again because that by that point, Kevin Everett, you know, thank God, was able to walk again, you know, had use of his extremities. I mean, they thought he was going to be a quadriplegic right. for about a month and, or and a few I, weeks. And for this season that we're talking about with the Bills this year, you know, Brownie and I aren't the final voices on this. We're just kind of going by what it's we've just seen. That's the way I observe. see it. That's the way, that's the way we, it looks like to us. And, and we don't spend time in the locker room. We don't talk. We hear the stuff in the media. And I go from the experiences I had as a player uh, and talking to the guys that I played with and some of the guys now that play, and not just in this team either, uh, guys who have played in the league in, in years past. And so that's, that's where I'm coming from. It, you know, you'll, you, you can't even – talk about it during the regular season because if word leaked out to people in the media and stuff it would start to become its own it would have a life of its own and then that's one more thing you'd have to deal with day after day after day it becomes exhausting and I think that's you talk about you know the overriding theme of what was wrong with those the bills in the Cincinnati game and even after you know after that first week was it was exhaustion 
there was just too much going on. Yeah. And I think they had gotten to a point where it was so late in the season when it happened. And for all of us, didn't we all just kind of say, I'm done. I'm so done. I don't care about this game. Well, yeah, and right after it happened, certainly. Right, right in that night, that night, that evening, you just turn it off say, I really don't care. And I don't know how long – and everybody turned it back on a little bit when they could. Uh, maybe some of us, it was 10 minutes later. Some of us maybe still haven't turned it on yet. Maybe we're still scarred by it. The players are the same way. And the more players you have that are in different places than that, it manifests itself on the field in a team sport like football. Some of the guys are just not there mentally. Some of them are there physically. Some of them, some of them are back fine. They're ready to go. But when not everybody's ready to go, I think you have performances like you did those yeah. last three games. I, and, I, and So when, it, when I evaluate this season, I, I kind of made this decision. I was thinking about this. I think i got to throw those games out, All the good and the bad, all of it. Um, just go back to pre, back to the Bears game, and take the season as it was then, and build from that. Um, I know this last game, and Sean McDermott even said yesterday he's a big believer in you're the you are who you were in the last game you played. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's where they're at right now. Yeah. But to evaluate where their roster is, I think you got to look back a few weeks before that and and go from there. Um, so I right, it's it was a tough and it's a very weird. Even even on social media, it's a very weird vibe to the end of the Bills' season because of what they've been through this season, yeah. everything. Bottom line, though, is now they can get away, now that the season is over, maybe close the book on, on the 2022 season, and the league marches forward. You know, Nobody's waiting on the Bills. they got to work to keep up or to try to get ahead again. And those duties will fall primarily on GM Brandon Bean and his personnel department. And that's why today uh, on our Twitter poll, we are asking you to be the GM of the Buffalo Bills. What do you say at the press conference today? GM Brandon Bean scheduled to address the media right after we're off the air at 3 p.m. We want to know if you are the GM of the Bills, what are you saying at your press conference today? 803-0550-1888-550-2550, number to get on board. And we will go to the phones now. And leading us off today is Blaine in Williamsville. What do you got for us, Blaine? You're on One Bills Live. Okay, thanks, guys. Bear with me. I got two points to make. They interconnect with each other and also connect with the point you guys were making. With the Hamlet incident, what we had, I think, is a team that was, at, from that point forward, had one arm tied behind their back, okay? From the emotional drain that it caused and everything else that went with it. Now, we beat Miami and we beat New England because, let's face it, our rosters were better. And we I don't want to say we cruised through it, but it was much easier to beat those teams. Now you come up to Cincinnati whose roster, in my opinion, offensively, is better than ours overall. And now you've got two things tied behind your back, and you just, we just didn't have it to beat them. The, point, the second point I wanted to make is, how did our roster get to the point where we were so far behind Cincinnati? And that, I think, was right or wrong. I think they allowed the roster on the offensive side of the ball to wither on the vine. Go back and look at our draft over the past three years. What was it? Uh, corner, third round, 
linebacker who never played that I saw. Another corner, you know, beyond that, I don't remember. The year before that, you know, it was just defense, defense, defense. Nothing on, not even a bone thrown to the offense until last year with Cook. That's how, in my opinion, we got here as far as what we have to do now. I, I think all offense this coming draft, all offense. I don't even want to see a defensive player, maybe a linebacker if we can't sign Edmonds, but basically has to be all offense. And I know they can do it. They know these who these guys are out there that are good on college campuses, but that's what it's got to be. Make sense? Yeah. yeah no, I'll, I... tell you, I'll say this, though, Blaine. Uh, yes, Cincinnati's got a nice offensive roster, but their total roster, the Bills are, have every reason to think they can hang with those guys, particularly uh, defensively. Uh, you can say what you want about injuries, uh, but they could say that as well. Their offensive line was decimated. Our defensive line lost Von Miller, and we lost our starting safety right, you know, right down the uh, right down the middle of the defense with um, with Micah Hyde being out. I think the Bills' roster was better than fine in stacking up against Cincinnati. Certainly, you can make a case for the wide receiver group at uh, for Cincinnati. It's better in Cincinnati, they have a better but, back, but I'll better this, number one back than Cincinnati. But too. I'll say this. Uh, the Bills roster is is perfectly with our quarterback. We're perfectly capable of scoring thirty points on those guys or more. We yeah. I, we, we can keep up with them, I think, because Cincinnati, while their offense is good, their defense can't hang with our offense. I think their defense, our offensive roster, is better than their defensive roster. We would have been able to hang in there with Cincinnati if you put their offensive roster that far ahead of our defensive roster. That kind of thing. So I'm not willing to go there, but because of the injuries, yeah, sure. Uh, You've got a point. And, and I, yes, you're right. The team wasn't the same after the DeMar Hamlin, as we've been talking about. Um, and I, but I would say this. There's no reason to think that the Bills need to do anything different than the way they've been doing it. Certainly, they need to pick really good people in the draft. You never want to miss on those. But you're missing, you know, when you're saying the defense didn't get any draft picks, so they got James Cook, Khalil Shakir, they got Zach Moss, uh, as a as a running back, now you can say these guys didn't pan out or will pan out or whatever, but they're they got offensive linemen in uh, Spencer Brown. Uh, they've got uh, Tommy Doyle in the draft. They got you know they got some guys. Uh, they have not completely forgotten about the offensive side of the ball. Now you can dr- complain they didn't get the right guys or those guys aren't good. And okay, I think that's but that's what you're talking about. That's where the problem lies. That, because go think about it, Steve. Coming out of last year, Cole Beasley was released from the roster and Gabe Davis finished the playoffs on a tear. And I think they, and, and Emmanuel Sanders retired. And so I think they genuinely believed that Gabe Davis in his third season was ready to make a step up to the number two receiver position after a four touchdown performance in a divisional playoff game. And they expected him to capably fill that role. They thought Isaiah McKenzie had been here long enough and definitely demonstrated in Week 16 against the Patriots that if you want to line him up in the slot, he can deliver for you when Beasley missed that game due to COVID to the tune of 11 catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. So the players that they wanted to promote into those roles, they felt were ready to assume those roles and provide that kind of production on a consistent basis. It never happened. Their fail-safe and backup plan was Jamison Crowder as the slot receiver, veteran player with proven production, he, he breaks his ankle in week four and he's lost for the rest of the year. And then on the offensive line, you jettison Daryl Williams and John Feliciano off of the offensive line. You sign Roger Saffold. You match a restricted free agent contract offer, an offer sheet, 
to Ryan Bates to match the thing with Chicago and keep him here in Buffalo. And you're hoping Spencer Brown in his second year is better than he was as a rookie. And Roger Saffold, you can say what you want. Was he any better than Daryl Williams at guard? I don't know. And, and Ryan Bates, I thought he got off to a great first half of the season down the stretch. His play was a little shaky at times. Um, and then Spencer Brown, for whatever reason, there were times where his on-field awareness just wasn't there on a consistent basis, and it, and it left Josh vulnerable at times off the edge. I'm not going to pretend to know the protection schemes and all that stuff. We're just watching it with the untrained eye. But to say that they didn't try to fill the holes that they left I, I think would be a little inaccurate. It's just that the guys that they put in those spots – I don't think panned out to the degree that they anticipated. Yeah, the point is this. The Bills built the roster that was a Super Bowl favorite, and we all agreed on it. I mean, there's no two ways about it. They were making some great moves. Now, certainly some of these guys regressed. Some of them didn't turn out the way to be a home run like a fifth-round Matt Milano all-pro linebacker turned out to be. But certainly they got some solid players. And, in fact, notwithstanding the caller, we just had Blaine from Williamsville there's a lot of people calling for those players to play more, like Khalil Shakir. You know, let's see more of him. Let's see more of James Cook. So it's, you know, I think the point is this. They built this roster using a formula and a, and a process that has worked really well. Just keep doing that. Certainly you want to hit on every draft pick, but you only get a draft. That's not realistic, guy. though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the draft is a coin flip at best. For most of these clubs, even at the highest rounds in the highest picks, but they've had a really good track record. The way they scout these guys, what they look for, how they look for it has been proven to be pretty reliable and turned over some really good gems. So they can keep on Brandon Bean and his crew just going to do the same thing they do. They're going to build this thing the way they see fit to build it. And because it's gotten them to the point where they're a Super Bowl favorite and be, and, and it took a, a conglomeration of a ton of negative impact things out of their control yeah. to derail the season, a th- derail a 13-3 and three season. So let's just you – know, they can keep doing exactly what they're right. doing. Just, just try and do it a little better. Make sure of some of the draft picks, do some of that. I mean, you, you're not going to hit on all these draft picks. But there's no reason to change the way they do things or go in and say, listen, no matter how good this guy is, we're not taking him because he's a defensive player. Or we're not uh, going to yeah. take this guy because we've, we're, we're full of it. We're, they're going to take the guy that they think can have the best pro career when that comes out. And if it's a, and if it's a corner, they're going to take him. And if it's a wide out, they're going to take him. So certainly they've got a premium on certain positions. And you and I have talked about it, but – yeah, don't don't go into a draft season thinking this has to happen at this position or will never amount to anything. Because let's not forget they just had to put together a pretty good roster with a you know with all the problems that we say they have now. Hmm. They went thirteen and three with those problems, right? Uh, and they're trying to work on it as well. So yeah, I get it. I mean, we all get caught up in wow, this need to be different. This need. To be, it's going to be different next year. It's absolutely going to be different next year. It's going to be a different team. There's going to be different players on it. 
There's going to be a core of guys back that you know of. But this team this year is vastly different than the one they ended last year with in the division round of the playoffs. So don't get caught up in this has got to happen or that's got to happen because things change fast in the NFL. You build your roster. Just let them build the roster the way they've been building it for the past six years. Let's get back to the phones, and we go to Phil in South Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Phil? Hi, how are you? Good. Um, just some observations um, on, on my my belief. Demar Hamlin, you know, what happened to him, you know, my prayers are with him. I hope uh, the guy could play again if that's his choice. I, I don't think he will with that I, I i pray for him but um i don't think that was the cause of anything for the bills dropping through like they did i think what it comes down to too i'm not knocking mcdermott i think he's a great coach but i don't think he's an angry coach for him now to address Stephon Diggs, when you look at the end of that game and Josh Allen is sitting there trying to figure a way to get the ball team back into the game. And he's looking at his tablet, and Stephon Diggs is acting like a two-year-old, waving his arms and screaming. If that was Little League, you'd have his butt on the hey, bench. Phil, Phil, what was Stephon saying to Josh? I have no idea. But well, how can you make a decision about whether it was right or wrong if you don't even know what he was talking about? How do you know he wasn't cheering Josh on? How do you know he wasn't telling Josh, you keep playing, you're doing great? How do you know that? Because from what I read, he immediately stormed off the field before the game was over. And he was stopped leaving the locker room by, um, I can't think of his name. How do you know he was mad at Josh? I'm not saying he was mad, but... Then how, if you're not saying he was mad, well, listen, don't don't get on stuff. Steph Diggs did nothing wrong, and there's nothing wrong with Steph Diggs. Steph Diggs was not even out of line. Steph Diggs yeah, is fine, and Josh, Josh Allen and Steph Diggs are buddies. And Steph Diggs can say things to Josh Allen that would curdle your toes, curdle the milk on your cereal in the morning. Don't worry about That's ridiculous. Phil, it's ridiculous to think that is even a blip on the radar for the offseason. That's ridiculous. Uh, you, you cannot imagine the conversations that go on in an NFL locker room. Uh, you can't even imagine. that. Even if Josh had leapt off the bench and they started going toe-to-toe screaming at each other, <laughs> it's it doesn't – five minutes later, Josh is going to throw him a touchdown pass. It don't matter. That stuff is ridiculous. People project their own everyday lives onto what it's like to be on the sidelines of an NFL game, and they got no idea how stupid that is. It's it, – come on. These guys – Well, the media catches it on camera, and then they blow it up as something. Well, the medias are idiots too. Guys like you and me are idiots because you can't – you. Guys, that, that is totally dumb. That is, that is making an assumption and an observation about something you have no idea about. You don't even know the parameters of the conversation. I mean, I've heard that Steph was yelling at him, telling him not to listen to Dorsey anymore. There's some of that going around. Wow. Like, They've just, created everything. They're trying to make, he's trying to get Josh to call his own plays, right? So you're telling me Josh would be insulted by that? Come on. Yeah. It doesn't matter what Steph said. Man, they're trying to win a game. 
They are trying to win a game, and they are in a fight, and they are getting they're getting it handed to them pretty good yesterday on Sunday. So, man, oh man, to take that little snapshot and to project it into a wider scope of where their season was. Steph Diggs had one of the great wide receiving years of all time in franchise history. He's okay. Josh is okay. That's that's just people. I know, I know it's it's the disappointment and the frustration of fans using that to vent their own frustrations. Don't. It's not worth it. Steph and Josh are good. I mean, they're, they're fine. I didn't even talk to you. They're fine. They're they are they love and respect each other, and they're going to be they're going to be laughing and drinking whiskey and smoking cigars when they're sixty. They're fine. They're going they're lifelong buddies, and they in a yelling match when Steph comes off the field, when they're going to laugh about it. It is not a big deal. Just think and about that's it. Not, it's not a big deal just because it was Steph and Josh. It's not a big deal when usually when any of that happens on any sideline. And the be- and the closest thing you can equate it to is, you know, these guys consider themselves like brothers practically. That's how close those two are. Now ask yourself if you have a brother, do you ever fight with your brother? Don't okay. think. You know what yeah, I mean? Don't it's think- like and don't you think, have arguments and and believe even me, with the people that are closest to you. It happens. Sean McDermott is very good at having uncomfortable conversations with his players. Yeah. If there was an uncomfortable conversation. Sean McDermott would not, he's not going to shy away from it. He's very direct. He's not going to shy away from it. And if he said he spoke to Steph. Which he did yesterday. And Steph said, hey, here's where I was at. And John said, well, listen. And Sean would have, they would have had a conversation about it. And, it's, and that's it. It's okay. Have, have a good offseason. I'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Break time for us here. You. When we come back, we'll hear from head coach Sean McDermott as we play some of his more notable comments from yesterday's press conference as he wrapped up the season with the media that's coming your way next here on one bills live presented by collider health it's buffalo bills radio okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 